Hi, my name is Jessica Monge, and you are listening to Journey with Jess. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about my mental health journey. I will have special guests to talk about their mental health journey and some hot topics on mental health, too. Thanks for tuning in to my first ever episode. It's been long awaiting. For everybody who's been waiting and hasn't known about the podcast in January, thank you. Today I'm going to talk about myself, introduce myself. So if you're new here, welcome again. And if you're not new here, we're going to go into depth about a few things of my past. So I was born and raised in Long Island, New York as a Salvadoran American. My parents migrated here in like the 80s and 90s. My mom was like 15 when she came and my dad was about 18 years old. He escaped the Civil War after he served his two years there and came here to New York. Why do I share that? Well, honestly, I feel like a big part of my identity and who I am now is because I was so prideful of what my father had done. He came here with little to no education. He dropped out in third grade to help his family. He has a third grade education, but here he started off as a dishwasher and worked his way up to an executive shop. For a long time, I looked up to him. Currently, as his podcast airs, I am in no communication with my father, and it has been a really hard journey to get to this point. But let's not skip ahead. So, born and raised in Long Island, New York. And trigger warning, I should have said this earlier, but I will talk about suicidal ideation no attempts we're not talking about that and yeah just like my self-discovery on like my mental health and stuff you know i don't remember a lot of my childhood and for a long time i wondered what was wrong with me i was like oh i just have bad memory or whatever but there's a reason for that recently realized or my therapist told me and i came to accept that i am a survivor of childhood abuse So that's probably why I don't remember a lot of my childhood. I remember like the good things, like some highlights, you know, like when you see highlight reels of things in the past. I remember like maybe five times. I started really, really remembering a lot more things around the fourth or fifth grade. That was like, you know, that stood out to me. But by the time I was 11, I actually had my first suicidal ideation. I had texted a friend telling them that I wanted to, you know, and um i don't know how my parents found out i don't know how they found out but they were like we need to talk to you and then they brought it up i was like shoot um and they're like do we need to find the therapist like what's happening and i was like no 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 and honestly i don't think i was exposed to like those ideations that just kind of happened i don't know what part of me just was fed up and said that but there was for a reason i feel like subconsciously there was a reason so i was like no no like no therapy like nah yeah that was my first memory of an ideation and prior to that my mom had me on like these crazy strict diets my entire life she always wanted me to be really skinny i have these memories of like gusha kira music video would come on she'd have me in like a sports bra and like shorts and she'd be like okay let's go dance to like the shakira music video like dance like her and i was like made me feel so awkward in my skin made me very uncomfortable felt like very sexualized in a way and yeah so she wanted me to be 
as small as possible. So I've been on diets since my earliest memory, like eight. Wasn't allowed to eat at my aunt's house or ask for food. And if they offered me food, she gave me this look. Like, she would prep me before we go to my aunt's house. Like, if they offer you food, you say no. But they were offering me food. And I look at my aunt's like, I want to eat, but I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> and now looking back at it, I'm just like, gosh, so many red flags. My mom was violent with me. But I thought, I honestly thought it was normal because I was like, oh, all immigrant parents hit their kids. No, my mom was like on a different level. It's sad because reflecting on it, I wonder how many people tried to stop it and couldn't or how many people were actually bystanders. I had my first ideation at like 11. At 13, I really wanted to run away. Really was like talking to friends and I was like, I want to run away. By 18, I don't move out or don't find my way. I have to run away from this place. It was just intolerable. That was 13. I still had so much depression that I didn't know I had. I didn't know what depression was to like the ninth or 10th grade. Around the ninth or 10th grade is when I took a psychology 101 class in high school and I discovered what depression was. And I was like, yo, like I have that. <laughs> totally self-diagnosing myself. But you have to remember there is so much stigma behind therapy. And I was one of those people who did not believe in therapy at all. And besides that, I wanted to be in the legal field. So I was like, nope, not going to therapy because then I won't be able to be like a cop or a lawyer or be an FBI agent. So I was like, nope, we're not doing that. But I, I self-diagnosed myself. I knew I had depression. I would sleep so much. And I was basically masking my happiness. I couldn't cry. I was just so sad. And like when I actually told one of my friends that I had depression, he's like, why are you sad? You have such a good life and you have everything anybody would ever wanted. And he meant like material things. I had a beautiful home. My parents would hang out my awards, you know, kind of like proud of me, but just like showing that they were proud of me. They were actually, we were really affectionate about that. And had all the clothes that I needed or wanted. Had a phone, a Blackberry or iPhone, whatever it was. We had like three cars and everything looked great right we had the chandeliers we had the portraits family portraits everything looked dancy and he just looked at me like he didn't understand and from his point of view he was hopping from parent to parent and kind of felt displaced and in my head i was like you don't understand but i also felt so guilty venting to him about it but he was one of my best friends at the time and i was like who do i tell this to i don't blame him we're still very close and I am glad that I didn't get upset over him not understanding. We're just young, you know? Found out around 10th grade and then I had this internet friend, which <laughs> at the time, looking back, I mean, like, I never met that guy. We would just text every day and he knew so much about me. I knew about him too. I confirmed he was a real person. I was, it's not just like a, oh my God, a stranger on the internet. No, like I... He was like a friend of my ex, <laughs> the guy I was dating at the time. Yeah, he was a real person. And at one point, he asked me, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, why? He was like, you're sleeping much more than usual. And you usually sleep when you're when something's wrong, when you're upset or sad. And I was like, 
it felt really nice to be like seen you know that that was kind of like high school and in the middle of all that my parents would just fight so much and i had found out my mom was dating these younger kids or like flirting with them and i say kids because they were kind of like my age they were only like maybe two or three years older than me and it was very uncomfortable my mom was cheating on my dad my dad was cheating on my mom and then i'd get texts like i'm divorcing your mom or um, we're gonna go like search your dad's car later at night to see if he has a secret phone that was a lot <laughs> that was so much in high school I was like, damn, like, all right, like, constantly on, like, alert, constantly trying to protect my siblings from it all. It was hard. And then also trying to parent my parents. It was just, like, so much. And then trying to get good grades, trying to be a student athlete, trying to be involved in clubs, babysit, and just make sure everything was up to par. It was just so much. I was in such survival mode for a long time. Then I went off to college and in college the first year was so rough because i still had to come back home to babysit i had to commute to manhattan to go to college and my mom was still very much like you need to pull your weight and you need to babysit and i'm like okay that's fine that didn't mean like missing out on a lot of soccer games or being late or just not playing at all and that was hard i couldn't balance it all i also realized that i missed my brother's entire middle school experience during college which is crazy but i digress in college slowly i became detached from my responsibilities and during the time i also didn't speak to my mom for about like two to three years i forgot what the fight was about but i was just like i'm not talking to you so we lived in the same house she oh <laughs> wow okay so the reason why i didn't speak to her is because she had remarried secretly at this point i think they were already divorced they had to be remarried and then brought her man to live in the basement of our house so i was like well that's weird and <laughs> my dad was okay with it i guess question mark anyways so i was so upset at her and so pissed so i didn't talk to her for like a good two three years and because of all that i was also able to just not be home in college i would sleep at people's dorms or sleep at my friend's house or sleep in my car <laughs> not as bad as it seems i proclaimed myself as a nomadic you know college student and everybody knew me as having my two three bags and always carrying extra clothes and making sure like i was good and i was sleeping in someone's house it was honestly the best time of my life <laughs> i cannot complain at all although it did really sad but it is what it is i didn't invite my mom to my graduation in college i was just like no i'm holding my boundary and that's that my aunt actually threw me a graduation party because she felt so bad that no one was celebrating me and i think i was i wasn't the first person to graduate from my family but it was like immediate family i was the first person to graduate from college so um she didn't want to celebrate me which was really nice i'm forever grateful so i graduated spring of 2017 in that time i found out my mom was pregnant with her for fourth child and um I was like 22, 23 at the time, and I was like, oh, my grandma had actually told me. She like slipped up and told me. I was like, well, that's interesting. But we also weren't talking at the time, so what would she tell me? We slowly ended up talking again. I kind of wanted to be a part of my sister's life, but also the real like hardcore denominator of it all 
was that I had bed bugs at the time, and so I needed help getting rid of it, and my mom was there to rescue me. Um, so yeah, she helped me with that situation, so that's how we ended up talking too. And then she got to like a little car accident, and she called me crying. Um, that's how we ended up talking again. And I cannot tell you how much I love my little sister so much. My mom has made jokes saying like, oh, maybe this daughter will love me. And I was like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> that was mean, but I was like, bro, like, at the time, I was like, what have you done to make me love you besides you being my mom? Yeah, she cooks for me, cleaned for me, and, like, was a stay-at-home mom. But a lot of the time, she just left me a babysitter. Um, was very abusive and violent. Um, and didn't apologize. She would just come up to my room after a beating and then gave me like a cappuccino blast from Duncan and it's like here I made you this and I'm just like I don't want that I want an apology and she goes oh, you're never satisfied and then stormed out and, being, and she was upset at me I was like I literally just want an apology and I was like eight and I was just like I just want a sorry and she thought it was really funny to be me in front of my friends too but again I take this I'm so sorry shortly after I graduated college i decided to go on a break because i didn't want to go straight into law school i worked at a few law firms actually first of all i worked for this immigration attorney um he sexually harassed me i left there went to a firm um the firm was okay but it was like really scary and really intense and then one night after work i went out with my boyfriend and my dad's ex-co-worker we went out to eat dinner and then the co-worker was like Oh, let's go out for drinks down the bar. And then the last thing I remember him, that my boyfriend had walked to the bathroom at the bar. Right up, right. As soon as my boyfriend left, he's like, Oh, like I've always had a crush on you and stuff, but since you were like Jose's daughter, I never said anything because my dad was like his mentor. And I was like, Oh, yeah, haha, you're so funny. Last thing I remembered. And right before that, he had gotten our drink. I woke up trigger warning because i forgot to say this in the beginning i'm so sorry um the mention of essay so if you want to leave now you can leave now but then i woke up and i was assaulted couldn't find my underwear couldn't find my glasses i couldn't find my phone because apparently my boyfriend had taken them or had them at the time i didn't want to deal with the situation i wanted to go home and forget it ever happened so i i told my boyfriend to just drive me home and i wanted to sleep and i cried and i just wanted to numb everything out because i was so good at this point to just like live my life with certain things and just pretend they never happened there are things that to this day i've never told anybody i just tried my best to forget it but i couldn't and like two weeks later i I don't remember how this chain of events happened, but I think two weeks later I reported and it was hard, like, it's really hard, like, how they describe it on TV is kind of like how it is too. I had to tell my story to like five different people in five different rooms and they were like, alright, are you sure you want to proceed? And it's kind of like, stop asking me, I'm already here, I just want to get it over with and talk about it. And you would have to say everything from the beginning. They would just be like, are you sure you want to proceed? Da, 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 da. I'm just like, listen, if anything comes out of this, at least like there's a report on this person. And if someone else comes forward about it, there's already a paper trail. That's the very least they want. I 
didn't have high hopes about this going to court because I had thrown everything out and it was two weeks prior and I was completely blacked out so I don't know what happened at all but long story short they did say that they couldn't proceed to go to court and I was like oh okay and I was at the train station uh, like rolled a little bath and I was just like sad but I couldn't cry again I mean so much of what's crying I was just pissed you know I was pissed within those two weeks I decided to tell my family and so I had gathered my dad my mom and my brother JJ he's the oldest one after me not the little one I don't think the little one was there no the little one wasn't there he wasn't there and I was holding my sister Melanie in my arms and my boyfriend was in the living room and I told them and my dad immediately got upset with me and he's like why didn't you report sooner why didn't you say something like you're always like all about like women's rights and all, all about this activism but you couldn't do it for yourself and he was upset at me like and I was like what hello sir so I was like dumbfounded and like I think my brother cried and he helped me but then my parents were like where was your boyfriend oh well and so they went to go talk to him and they were so mad at him they didn't trust him for a long time a few months later like five months later i was like just such an angry person i was like so fed up and i was thinking and i don't like my loved ones and by loved ones i mean mainly my boyfriend he was so patient with me and i was just like i don't know what to do i think we should break up him don't feel anything for you i don't feel anything at all i just don't want to deal with anything and so we tried breaking up and that didn't work out so i broke up for a week but we talked every day it just didn't didn't work out i was just like i don't have feelings for you i don't know what to do i don't think we should be together maybe the only thing that could help is maybe going to therapy but like i don't know if that's gonna work and he's like well i'll be with you throughout that and if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out but i want to be with you throughout your journey and stuff so he is really to thank guys for me going to therapy and me figuring out my mental health and me providing my therapist search service so thank him um so i decided to go and i started january i think 2019 or 2018 2019 january 2019 no, January 2018. Sorry. <laughs> I started January 2018. And then I, what I was looking for was someone who specialized in victims, right? Survivors. And so I went to this white woman. And that was fine. I was like, oh, I love all this spiritual stuff. Like, that's who I am. She gave me books to read, like, the four agreements. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. She told me to write this letter two of my assailants told me to bring it in and then she read it and then she was like telling me you know it doesn't matter how much you drank you drank at the end of the day you have to take some responsibility for it and i was like no i have absolutely drank after that and i actually drank the same amount i drank that same night because i had only three tequila sunrises and I was like, this is absurd. I don't blank out after three drinks. I had also joined a sorority, so I was drinking a lot. So, like, there's no way that three tequila and rights was going to black me out. I was like, no, you're wrong. I actually have drank double that since then to just test myself and my body to see if there was something wrong with me or if he did something to me. And so she goes, well, you still drank, though. And I, you know, didn't have the courage to say anything. But thank goodness I went to school for psychology. 
because I knew after that that it was not my fault at all. Like, it is not my fault. No. So I was so tight, and she's like, oh, well, do you want to burn this piece of paper or rip it up or anything? I was like, no. I'm like, done. So I went to the car, and I all I thought about was that if this was me maybe like six years ago, I probably would have offed myself because of where I was mentally in my teenage years easily. Thankfully, I had a stronger mindset at that time, and I had already studied psychology to know what was what. But this woman straight up victim blamed me, and she specializes in this these things. I swore I wouldn't go to therapy again, and then I just was miserable again. I was angry and upset. So I decided to keep another crime, and I went to this other lady, and she was nice. She was sweet, but she wasn't really like giving me anything to work on and stuff like i was like where do i go from here instead of just talking about my week and so one week she was like oh so how is it going how what did you do this week i'm like oh i feel good like you know i'm pretty happy i worked out this week and so yada yada and she's like okay great it doesn't seem like we have anything else to talk about it but keep up keep up the good work and i was like is that my session like i am here to get over my assault are you serious right now? So I quit again. And then she actually messaged me later and she was like, Hi, I just want to see how you're doing. If you want to come back. And I was like, no. And then at that time, I don't know. I think I heard it off a podcast. Um, I don't remember where I saw it. But I discovered virtual therapy. And I was like, I love that. I don't want to go into a room or an office and talk to someone one-on-one. Like, they're right there. Makes me uncomfortable. I want to do it virtually. So, that's how you know this was before COVID. <laughs> I was like, wow. Then I tried BetterHelp and I found a wonderful therapist. She was great. Um, she actually made me realize that I had PTSD symptoms from the assaults. And uh, we were going to start CBT, um, and that's Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. What happened? Okay, so we were talking about, like, my relationship with my father and how he was doing something that was very inappropriate, and she just didn't understand me culturally, and I was just like, okay, I need to switch again. Luckily, in BetterHelp, it's very easy to switch. You just, like, go to the hamburger bar and just switch therapist so that's what i did and then that's where i found my wonderful latina therapist i'm still with her bro like i'm still with her so yeah that's where i found my fourth therapist and it took about like a little over six months to go through this entire process she was wonderful she understood me culturally and like we went from a lot of different phases and we went from talking about my assault to realizing that I think a lot of the root causes of who I am today and all my anxiety and trauma and depression besides the assault is my childhood trauma. And I think what happened was that right before the assault, I was living a great life. I was really happy with where I was in my in my life and I was a really just the ideal person that I wanted to be. And then I, the assault just kind of like opened Pandora's box and just... Without all my trauma, and so it unleashed the beast. So there was a lot of other stuff that I needed to work on foundationally, and so that's what I'm doing now. Um, I'm still seeing my therapist once a week. She's wonderful, and now I know I have depression. I had medication for anxiety. I took started medication for anxiety around like um, 2021, um, and it did help. I felt like great, and then I stopped it because I felt like it wasn't working anymore. But when I first took it, man, 
that knocked me on my butt because I was so fatigued. But it was great. I think it was wonderful. Medication was something that I was super against for a long time. And my therapist brought me to realize was that it's okay to start to be on medication while I'm working on therapy because it's not like I'll be on medication forever. It's kind of something just to assist me while I'm going to therapy. And also, like, we wouldn't see someone with a physical illness and be like, oh, you're taking medication? Don't take medication. And all the other stuff, you know, like, so stigmatized, so sad. But um, depression, anxiety, PTSD symptoms, I'm pretty sure I have some form of disordered eating. It's just really bad, especially from, like, what my mom's done to me and what else i also i'm pretty sure have undiagnosed adhd it's so freaking hard but yeah that is me right now i will say that i have gained a lot of emotional intelligence with my therapist and it's something that i didn't know or didn't understand in the past and i'm really happy i am setting a lot of boundaries i don't talk to my father like i said before i am talking to my mother here and there but with a lot of boundaries because not for nothing but my mom's a narcissist so shout out to everybody who has a narcissistic mother so thank you for listening and there might be more updates in the future welcome to the journey with jess